Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we talk about the tribe calling it a season in July, nonstop Olympics, and the return of America's favorite paranormal heroes. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. Tommy Burke is back. Tommy, how you doing? I am doing great, Gerbs. Uh, all over the internet, they thought I was uh, canceled, and, and it's untrue. I'm, yeah. I'm still here. There's no way you're getting canceled. <laughs> Phil Denko, as always, is here as well. Phil, welcome back for your 27th consecutive week on the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm creating quite a streak. Thanks for having me, as always. And, Burke, good to see you, buddy. Yes, you're the Lou Gehrig of this pod. <laughs> you're not the first to say that. Tommy, let's start with you tonight. Last week, Ron Popeil. Ron co-founder, inventor, and infomercial pitchman sadly passed away at 86 years old. Popeil, famous for the catchphrase, but wait, there's more, started his career selling products at a flea market. Later, he became infomercial famous for items like the Chopomatic and the Vegomatic in the 60s. He would go on to sell products like the Rhinestone Stud Setter, Mr. Microphone, the first home karaoke machine, the Smokeless Ashtray, the inside the eggshell egg scrambler, various rotisseries and food dehydrators, and so much more. So, Tom, what's the best thing you ever purchased for five easy payments of $19.99? Well, Gerbs, I got to say, I, I never got sucked into one of those things. But uh, <laughs> sucked if it was, in. That's yeah. offensive. Yeah. <laughs> These <laughs> are great was, products. If I was going to be, it would have to be the Chopomatic. Is that one of those things that can chop through an aluminum can and then also, you know, your tomatoes, if that's as far as I know. Yeah. Yes. All those things are great. Infomercials can be a lot of fun, actually. And I'm sure he was very entertaining. If you saw a picture of this guy, you would recognize him. He was all over TV for for decades selling his products. But I think he was kind of the first guy to do it. So, uh, Mr. Popeil, thank you for all the great inventions and our condolences to your family. But rest in peace. You never bought the ShamWow, Burke? I mean, come on. Different guy, Phil. But infomercial, but I in just, general, okay. you said, you know, something yeah. for five payments or whatever. And, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, somehow, the, somehow, you know, the sham wow, I came pretty close. I got to tell yeah. you. And I, I, I that somehow, was the one that seemed like the best yeah, investment. Yeah, I almost yeah. rushed to the phone on my rotary, but uh, <laughs> I decided not to. I appreciate you hanging on to the rotary phone like into your thirties <laughs> when the sham wow yeah. was being sold. <laughs> All right, fellas, let's move into our first segment. We'll start at home and we will start in a place that I don't think we ever have before. We're going to start with the Cleveland Cavaliers tonight. The NBA draft was on Thursday night. The Cavs were slated to pick third in the draft. Going into the draft, was it safe to call the Cavs a talented young team with good upside potential, but also with Kevin Love? I think that was very, very safe to say, actually. They do have a (laughs) lot of young talent, and it's true they do still have Kevin Love for some reason, and I'm not sure why. Uh, probably because nobody wants his contract. Right. Yeah. Um, probably about 60 million reasons why we have him and nobody else does. That's right. So hopefully we can dump his salary at some point, but I doubt it. But uh, yes, the very, very good young team. Um, I'm actually surprised. I keep seeing that they, at some point, and I thought it would happen before the draft, really, if they were going to do it, that they were going to dump Sexton. And I'm kind of surprised by that. I don't know if he's kind of a head case in the in the locker room or what the deal is. They seem to be sour on him for some reason, even though he's been our best scorer for the last couple of years. So, I'm, you know, I found that surprising. Uh, luckily, we got Rubio um, and added another guard because we definitely don't have enough guards. on this team. Right. You need at least like 13 yeah. on a 12-man roster, right? Right. There could be injuries. <laughs> <laughs> they end up not moving... Sexton before the draft or during the draft and they make that selection at number three they take Evan Mobley from USC who is described as a versatile seven foot two-way player that has immense upside Phil does that sound like anybody we know yeah that sounds like a couple guys uh Giannis KD I'm setting this guy up to fail I think I read somewhere that coming that you know they do these comps in the draft and coming out they called Mobley, a a combination of of Anthony Davis on defense and uh, and what's his name on why can't I think of his name from the the Miami Heat on offense Chris um, Bosh Chris Bosh thank you yeah. 
it is so good to have you back. That's who he reminds <laughs> me of, actually, is Chris. Yeah, uh, so Chris I was thinking Bosch about Bosch hasn't played for the Heat in like 10 years, I don't think. But <laughs> well, he no. hasn't played for anyone. In, in, <laughs> yeah. In, yeah, like, I, <laughs> most recently played for the Heat. But I think as a, as a comparison, you know, if that's what you're getting in this guy, a Bosch on offense and a Davis on defense, all right. And, and I know every player is their own player, and he's going to develop into hopefully his own all-star caliber player. But I like what I'm hearing, absolutely. Yeah, and I think interesting to stack him with, all those guards on the team. Um, and I think this definitely means that they've got to make a move to uh, sign Allen uh, more long-term, another Allen. But I mean, all of a sudden you've got two big guys who can run the floor, play both sides and shoot from the outside with some pretty talented guards. And that's a little bit exciting to me, but Tommy scale of one to 10, one being LeBron's 2016 game seven block, 10 being Sean Kemp eating whoppers during Cavs timeouts. How excited were you for the pick of Evan Mobley? On that scale, let's see. I'm going to go more towards a, a two, actually. I, I, I That's who I actually wanted them to get because I am just so sick of them picking up more and more guards on this team, and it was nice to get some size. And, and to go along with Allen, I think it's going to be a nice one-two punch there up front. Mobley's got the size, but he also, he, at times, um, you know, you look at some of the highlights, he handles the ball like a guard yeah. at times, mm-hmm. um, which is, a, you know, just, it's a nice asset to have. So for what I was looking at in the draft, obviously, if you're not going to get Cunningham, everybody was very excited about Cunningham. You know, you're looking at another magic type guy at, right. at as far as magic type guy, I mean the size at point guard. Not not <laughs> necessarily the, that he's magic more controversial Johnson. stuff. Well, no, that too. Yeah, yeah. He owns not, a lot of movie theaters. The, the movie theaters was the guy controversial part. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, Bert, okay. we keep we keep cutting you off. No, not at all. That, but that was the guy out of the out of the group that I I thought was a good fit for this team. There was no way Cunningham was falling to them all the way at three which is a weird thing to no, say no. but definitely true phil what do you think scale of one to ten definitely a, i'd lean more towards a two as well I, this is the kind of player that the Cavs have not had on their roster anytime really uh um recently and this is where the nba has gone you know you're getting these big guys that are and he he is reportedly a, a two-way player as you mentioned so not only are we getting a big guy that can shoot the ball he is a rim prote- protector he he can handle the ball as Berkey mentioned and he's good on defense I think he won Pac-12 defensive player of the year player of the year and and freshman of the year all all at once I think Anthony Davis was the last person to do that in a conference so hey again maybe a yeah. good comparison there yeah pretty excited I wouldn't mind if uh was it Jalen Green he was a he's a taller guard like a six six guard if he if he slipped down to three I think that would have been a good choice as well as a scorer and then maybe you would have seen Sexton move a little sooner I'm happy with Mobley I think this is a, a good pick and Hopefully he joins this young core and we see some growth in the next couple of seasons. We talked last week about the Cavs getting to put together a team like the Bucks had that made their run to the title and how it starts with winning the draft. And hopefully Mobley is the guy that they pick that that wins the draft for them this year and can be a piece they build around with um, some other pretty good pieces too. You know, they do at some point need to deal with Kevin Love's contract, but other than buying them out. I'm not sure there's going to be a whole lot they can do with that. But nonetheless, good draft for the Cavs. Lots to be excited about heading into next season. And hopefully this is the last time we have to talk NBA for like five months. Um, (laughs) We'll see how that goes. Why don't we go ahead and move into our tribe week cap, talk some baseball, busy week on and off the field. And I think more so than normal, the off the field actions had an immediate impact on the field. Uh, During the week, the Tribe announced that Tito Francona would be out for the rest of the season. Uh, At the trade deadline on Friday night, they made four moves, none of which seemed really consequential. On the field, they split with the Cardinals this week. They played a wild series with the White Sox that they could have won, but they gave away today's game. They finished the season 51 or finished the season. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Waving the white flag. You know, I'm ready to finish it in, actually. That's an interesting, that's an interesting slip right there. (laughs) (laughs) They finished the week 51 and 51, nine games back of the White Sox, uh, six out of the final wild card spot. So with all of that off the field and on the field stuff, what, what are your thoughts on what this week was and means for the Indians? It's interesting. I, I, clearly, they decided to be sellers at the at the trade deadline, but not really. It was like not, a garage sale. Like it, well, they weren't selling anything right. good. And, and we mentioned <laughs> this last selling, week, right? Yeah, we, this exactly. is what we talked about last week. We we didn't give up any really good 
talented players that we need to be cornerstones in the, in the next couple seasons. If our pitching gets back to where they need to be in those kind of things, we gave up the middling trades. As we mentioned last week, we yeah. predicted the Hernandez trade and, you know, the, and Eddie Rosario actually, and that's exactly what they did. And so they got back. If I remember correctly, they got back one immediate big league ball player, starting center fielder, miles, My, um, straw. straw, yeah. Straw, the stirs the drink. That's right. We got a center fielder. That's good. Uh, and then we got a bunch of minor league pitchers that are kind of at the double A level, which again, add that to our recent draft. And I b- believe they're just playing to their strengths. Like we're going to, we're going to find our next rotation in this group somewhere yeah. uh, in the next uh, couple years. Interestingly enough, it wasn't that bad a week on the field either. You saw some guys play pretty well offensively defensively i think it was yesterday and maybe even today again yeah basically had three center fielders playing outfield with mercado and straw and uh zimmerman i wonder and i don't know like it's I, just zimmer not zimmerman that's right again thank god you're back Bert. <laughs> i'm so bad with names and teams and sports and just people in general <laughs> it was a weird week and uh there's still a lot of baseball left this season and it seems like they're packing it in, but could they stay relevant to stay near the the second place wildcard team? That is going to depend on what those other teams do in August. Tommy, what do you think? Um, they played two really good teams. It's nice to see that they're still going out and battling. I mean, they, you know, like you said, I mean, um, they could have won the series against the White Sox. You know, going against St. Louis is always going to be tough, no matter what. So, I mean, to get to get one there was was nice. But it just, you know, it seems like they're still going out and battling, and they they still go out expecting to win, which is nice. You know, it's not, you know, they're not just packing it in. They're going out and and playing hard. So that's at least good to see. And we we did get a a guy from Houston that has actually played outfield, which is always nice. It's nice to put guys in the outfield that have actually played outfield. You know, that's something that's Somebody a strategy. Write that down somewhere. Yeah, it's like one of those a, things you should do. That's a strategy that we haven't always gone with. Uh, so it's nice to go to that strategy once in a while. Moneyball uh, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Play, play people at their natural position. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Something weird. Yeah. Do the numbers on that. So, yeah, I don't know. It was a uh, interesting week, but, but also not that, not that crazy as far as, like you guys said, who we gave up and, you know, what we got in return. It was, you know, it was kind of, you know, no big names. It's obviously not like what happened around the league. So, right. I just think there's no way they trade Cesar Hernandez to the White Sox if they think they have any chance of catching the White Sox. Right. I don't think Francona takes the rest of the year off if he really thought and the front office really thought we've got a chance to make the playoffs. I appreciate that they didn't dump a lot of like big name guys, especially like J Ram, because you've still got him for enough time that you can have him for next season. And if the pitching comes together and some of these younger guys who are now going to get this second half of the year to play can start hitting next year, you know, you stay healthy. That might be a really good club next year. Uh, And if you had traded some of those guys away this week, you're not only giving up this season, but maybe you're giving up next season too. And so I don't think that happened, but I don't see a lot of confidence in the organization that this is still a playoff team this year. I don't blame them. You know, there's not a lot of teams who still make a playoff run when their two best starters go out for, uh, you know, two or three months in the middle of the season. You know, not many teams can bounce back at one point three starters. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, guys, who had a good week for the tribe this week? Cesar Hernandez. Damn it. I um, had the same guy on the top of my list. <laughs> yeah. He uh, he found the one way to catch the White Sox, and that yeah, was to right. join them. <laughs> yes. But other than that, obviously, the, the one that stands out is Fran Mill. I mean, he's just been mashing, which yeah. has been nice to watch. So, he obviously had a, a really good week, too. If I could just say one more is uh, Go Quantrill. Ahead. I think Quantrill had two quality starts. Today was not his fault in, at one point. You know, no. you, you got a no, Med Rosario going out and taking yeah. the ball away from Mercado. Um, and at the time, they actually gave uh, Mercado the error. I I hope they changed that around later, but I don't know if they did or not. But it's just that, you know, the defense is killing him, but he, he had two quality starts. Yeah, I would say even beyond quality. He, he pitched twice this week. He had a total of 12 innings. He gave up only two runs, and he got no wins. <laughs> right. I don't know if that's a good week for him or if this yeah. is a bad week because geez, yeah. pitched great and got no wins. And today he had his most walks 
but he battled out of those situations. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Um, so that was yeah. nice to see. Phil, uh, is there anybody left on the team you want to mention? Sorry, I mentioned. Uh, welcome, welcome back, Brooke. I think he just named eight of the nine starters as who had a good week. Try to make uh, it harder. Yeah, right. No, I, I think from the offensive side, I'll I'll take uh, Ahmed Rosario. He had he he had a hit or two in every game this week, but one. And he really in the games that I watched, he was stretching long singles into doubles. He had a really good week on the base paths too. He's a fast guy, and there were some times that we didn't know it at the time during yesterday's game the final score was 12 to 11, but there were some times where he was, was hitting a double and thank God he did because we needed those extra runs as yeah. he was, as the guys behind him were, were knocking them in. So I thought Ahmed had a real good week and I'll give a shout out to Owen Miller. Um, he didn't go over. All right. uh, he had, yep. he had a couple of hits this week and he got his first uh, big league home run. So good for the kid. Good. Yeah. I was going to have, and I was going to use a new nickname, Last Beard Standing Rosario was going to be mine since we got rid of Eddie. You know what I like about Rosario is not just this week, but I feel like that guy has gotten consistently better all season long. Yeah, uh, He is starting to look like a dude that they stole in that trade for Lindor. I really like having him on the team. I'm not sure I love him on defense, but the bat's been really consistent. And that's been really good. Uh, Phil, who had a bad week? The obvious guy is is the head guy in Tito uh, because of his health. I think he made the right decision. I, I listened to some of his interviews. I think he was uh, pushed into making that decision by the front office saying, listen, yeah. you know, we need you to be healthy and, and we need you long term. So they got him in line. He's got two orthopedic surgeries lined up here in the next six weeks. So he's going to be down and out for a while, but hopefully come back healthier beyond him. I'm going to, I'm going to pull a Burke here and just start rattling through some names. See if I leave anything for you. <laughs> I'm going to say Roberto Perez had a bad week. He went over nine, you know, there he's not. So he, he played in three of the five games and, and hedges comes out and actually hits the ball <laughs> when yeah. he plays and Roberto, he went over nine and he was kind of cornered into a fight with an 80 year old man. And I feel like that's a lose, lose situation. <laughs> yeah. No matter oh, what. I mean, it wasn't his fault, but, no matter just, how you respond, yeah. yeah, I know. No yeah. matter how you respond when, when an 80 year old man picks a fight with you, you're going to be the yeah. loser in that situation. Yeah. Right. He has a, uh, you know, Pedro I don't knows. know. Yeah, no one Pedro threw Zimmer down. I thought it was great. I didn't yeah. think it was a problem with Pedro's that. just standing there, you know, chilling out and the guy yeah. comes running at him. What are you going to do? I hope that better days are ahead for Tito and hopefully Roberto starts producing at the plate a little bit. I never want to say anything that's going to be offensive to anybody <laughs> no yeah. not on the show at least i think tony la russa is the number one reason why like 75 year old people shouldn't be put in positions of authority like mm -hmm. you're just not all the way there like he's trying to help the guy they yeah. didn't hit him on purpose they didn't right. hit him on purpose today when la russa came out of the dugout after they hit a brayu yeah. the bases were loaded with two outs and they hit him <laughs> like that's not a good smart right, intimidating right. baseball move that's just yeah. dumb and he comes out and argues for five minutes about it. Like something should happen. Like, get out of here, man. Like he probably just there's a reason a my dad doesn't coach major <laughs> yeah. league baseball teams. You know, and his age is part of that reason. Right. Anyway, Tommy, what, who had a bad week? Yeah. La Russa should be uh, running for president at this point. That's the yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. That's the only job he can do. <laughs> Miles straw had a bad week. He had to go from contending for a world series to uh, yeah. coming to the Indians. So that's a rough week for him, but actually uh, I'm going, I'm going back into the bullpen. Um, Shaw had a really rough week and Karen check looks lost right now between the two of them. They're really struggling. Class A actually has looked very good. Yeah. Class A had a great of, week. The two of them are not setting him up very well. That's been rough. Shaw, especially, I, I actually thought we might deal Shaw, you know, before the trade deadline, just because he, he had been doing pretty well and somebody could always use someone at the back end of the bullpen. To, you know, if you're making yeah. that, making that run at the end of the season. So I thought maybe we might deal him. I even thought we might deal Robbie too, because Hedges actually has played fairly well. And he's not really hurting us back there, and he's he's hit more than Robbie has. So there was some talk of possibly dealing Roberto Perez, but um, that didn't happen either. So I don't know. Rough week for the back end of the bullpen, other than Classic. Yeah, Shaw was the other guy that I had too. He was he was awful this week, and he's actually had a couple bad weeks in a row. And I'm starting to get the feeling that maybe the magic that he had going the first half of the year has yeah. has caught up with him a little bit, and I now almost wish that they had made a move to trade him and just get something back you know <laughs> right looking ahead to next week four games in toronto against the blue jays and they come back home for three games against the tigers i'm thinking they got to win at least five games this week to kind of stay something close to the white Sox and stay in that that wild card too anybody 
agree or disagree with me? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think uh, that's a five and two week if you're going to stay in the hunt. I think we get Bobby Bradley back uh, this week. So the middle of the lineup might get a little bit more power if he can start hitting again. So yeah, we'll see. I agree though. Five and two is what we're looking at. I completely agree with uh, both of you on that. I mean, you definitely have to win that, but you're playing a Toronto team that's doing really well right yeah, now yeah. and they can just mash so and the tigers um, are playing really well right now too that's true so our best chance obviously is to maybe sweep detroit and hope for a split or something against you know yeah toronto it's maybe your best bet might be a rough week for the indians we'll see moving out of baseball and talking a little cleveland browns and another segment in our 13 week series 13 shades of brown i was all prepared to focus on kickers tonight and the Browns ruined my plans by signing Nick Chubb to an extension yesterday. Yeah. Oh, so nice. the Browns signed Nick Chubb uh, to the extension. It's an additional three years, 36 million bucks, 20 fully guaranteed. Keeps him on the Browns until 2024 when he'll be 29 years old. A scale of one to five. One being finding a $10 bill in your jeans after doing laundry. Five being losing $10 because I told you to bet on the Suns in five. How, <laughs> how happy are you? With this deal, uh, that's a one. It's a great deal. I think you're you're basically looking at a guy like Nick Chubb that we all want on this team, given his production on the field and what we hear about him as in terms of the type of guy he is for this team and this offense. And you've got him locked up now through what is probably his prime, given the running back position in the NFL. So that is huge. I agree. I love it. It's a one. Huge fan of his, obviously, and I just love the way he goes about how he plays and. You know, that's that's a guy you want around. And, and three years is perfect. I think that's yeah. a perfect amount of time to sign him. This is one of those moves that causes me to do a double take because it's one of the times where the Browns seem super smart in what they yeah. did. They sign him for those years when running backs are really good and they have not bought any of the years from like 29 to 31 and beyond when running backs just classically start to come apart and lose their productivity. They didn't break the bank to do it. He's going to be, I think, the fifth highest paid running back this season, which is about, I think, where he should be, probably where he actually ranks among the running backs in the league right now. And you do it for the perfect amount of time, for the perfect amount of money, gives you some flexibility if he's still productive at 29. You franchise him or something like that and get his year 30 season into, you know, it's just such a smart move, like right money, right guy, right length of time. Who in the hell are, is making these decisions and how can it be the Cleveland Browns? That's, that's, I'm still Can't not, be the Haslam's. <laughs> that's impossible. There's no way Jimmy Haslam made that decision, but I love it. I thought, I thought it was perfect. I, I, I liked everything about it. And you know, what this is, is just the PTSD of being a Browns fan for mm -hmm. the last, you know, 43 years. And this is how the organization is running. Now they're making good, smart decisions and I, th I thought it was a great move, but I'm glad that we got, we all agreed on that and got through it quickly. So we could talk kickers for a little bit. <laughs> Let's talk about our place kicker. Cody Parkey His 2020 NFL ranks. He was 22nd in field goals made eighth in PAT attempts and 10th in PATs made the Browns brought in a guy named Chase McLaughlin to compete with Parkey. McLaughlin has played for five teams in two seasons. I'm not sure if he's serious about the job or just trying to play for every team. So that's our kicker situation. Punting. Jamie Gillian, Gillian, the, the Scottish hammer. Scottish hammer. His 2020 NFL ranks. Average punt, 44 yards. That ranked him 28th in the league. His longest punt was 59. That ranked him 26th. Sticking teams inside the 20, he did it 17 times. That ranks him 27th. The Scottish hammer is in the lower 20% of every important statistical category for a punter, maybe except for cool hair. Why are we so worried about Parky? And why are we not more worried about the fact that our punter sucks? We're that's not going to punt anymore. Question, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just don't have to punt. Yeah. <laughs> We're going Madden style. No Even matter what. Our yeah. five yard line. I like our chances on fourth down from anywhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> First of all, you got me excited because when you first were starting the segment, you were talking about you were going to talk about kickers. I thought we actually signed somebody good and I missed it. <laughs> so now I'm really no. pissed off because we didn't. Although McLovin sounds really good. <laughs> you know, I, I think we should give him a try. I can't believe that Parky actually ranks where he does on those on that list. That's shocking to me. Well, um, I think maybe the problem is, is that 
when he misses, it's so ugly. Like he doesn't miss. He always bounces <laughs> yeah. it off the upright. Yeah. And it just draws your attention. But other, yeah. but honestly, like he wasn't a bad kicker, right. at least statistically last year. Right. And it also shocks me by the, the punting statistics. That's I, I've never given any thought to the Scottish hammer being an issue, but maybe he is. I don't know. I guess we have to look at that too. I think we are blinded by the fact that he's a character. You know, like he's got long right. hair. He's, well, he's a putter you know. that's built like a linebacker. So right. you, know, you get right. blinded so by maybe that. Maybe he should play yeah. linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a gimmick and we've all yeah. bought in, right? His oiled, yeah. Up, yeah. his oiled up guns are distracting us <laughs> and we need to focus more on his kicking. It doesn't sound like they've got anybody coming in to challenge him. This McLaughlin kid went five for five in a practice this week. And on the same day, Cody Parkey <laughs> went one for five. So Jesus. I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. That true. <laughs> It is. It is. Yeah, I think Wednesday or Thursday they, you know, they let these guys kick, and yeah. it was well, ugly. Get ready for McLaughlin this year. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good T-shirt. Somebody, somebody, yeah. write that down. Keep get that, ready for McLaughlin. That in mind. <laughs> we got a punter that everybody loves who can't kick. So I don't know. Maybe feels right. Maybe the plan is just not to punt this year. But yeah, why don't we go ahead and close out another episode of Thirteen Shades of Brown and uh, take our first break. And we'll come back and head out on the road. This episode of Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by the Matt Miller School of Driving. Hi, I'm Matt Miller. And since 1993, I've been showing people how to drive like they want and not the way the government or libtards think that they should. Remember the old saying about freedom of the open road? I think freedom should exist on all roads regardless of other cars, people, and the so-called police officers. That's why I'm so excited to help you get ready for America reopening this summer with some of my red-hot summer driving tips. For instance, 25 in a school zone? School's online now! Those kids aren't in school, the road has no speed limits, punch the gas and go as fast as you want. Seatbelts, are you friggin' kidding me? In the summer, get out of here! How are you gonna get jiggy with your favorite summer, summertime? Hit! If you're all safely secured in your ride. Construction zones? Do you think rebels like James Dean worried about slowing down around orange barrels? All barrels matter, not just orange barrels. Those barrels are there for people who don't want to have a good time. For you, it's a chance to slalom like your Alberto Tamba in a Toyota. Don't let rules ruin your good time this summer. Come join me at the Matt Miller School of Driving and learn even more tips to break out of the summertime blues and drive right through those summertime reds. Act now and I'll drop 25% off my Learn the Alphabet Backwards class. It's kind of like Duolingo, but actually worth it. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road and we'll start talking Olympics with our OCAP. And once again, there's just way too much stuff that happens in a week in the Olympics to even like try to cover it or talk about it in any kind of reasonable way. So I just tried to pick a few things and you guys tell me which of these stories you thought was your favorite of the week. Uh, number one, Filipino weightlifter Heidelin Diaz was gifted two houses and more than $600,000 after winning the Philippines' first ever gold medal. So apparently in the Philippines, the Olympics are the Hunger Games. Uh, Xander Shoffley wore a Bane mask today and won uh, gold in men's golf. That was really cool. Team USA Women's Soccer advanced the semifinals with a shootout win over the ne Netherlands. And in a blow to President Biden's plans to resolve conflicts in the Middle East, Team USA's men's basketball team beat Iran by 54 last week. <laughs> Those four or any other story you thought was great from the Olympics this past week. Wow, that is hard to pick from those four. I'm, I'm really happy for uh, weightlifter Diaz. Uh, he got two houses. It's a she. Yes, it's a she. she. Yeah, she got two houses. Either way, two houses. That's pretty good. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you do with the second one, but that's great. Maybe the I, houses there are real small, though. So you, maybe, you know, two of them maybe match yeah, just one be. here. I don't know what's going on in the Philippines. Never oh, looked into ahead. Philippines real estate. Go, go ahead, ahead, Phil. Phil. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think all four of those stories are, are great. I'm not My, approving those mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Wait a minute. You have an extra house, and I know it. <laughs> And you just got six hundred thousand dollars. What'd you yeah. do with that? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Put your twenty percent down on each house, please. <laughs> um, well, I, I'm going to pick. Um, all kidding aside, well, whatever. <laughs> all kidding aside, I'm going to pick the women's uh, soccer team winning. That was huge. This is the the team that's 
you know, the number one ranked team and they're picked to win the gold and that was an elimination match and they came through in the end, uh, which was great going forward. Uh, I like the golf story. I th- I like Shoffley. Uh, yeah. I happen to be a fan of his. So I enjoy the fact that he went out and won gold in the Bane mask. I, I completely missed that part. That's pretty cool though. I'm trying to figure out why he came out with a Bane mask, but that's uh yeah, it's just like the it's just like the N95 mask he was wearing looked oh. like Bane's mask. It wasn't oh, an actual okay. Bane's all mask. Right. <laughs> oh well, because the Bane mask would have been way cooler, but yeah, all right. it would have been. It would have been. Maybe okay. maybe in 2024 he'll give that okay. a shot. Well, uh, I, I am a big fan of Shoffley, so that was it was cool, very cool that he won gold. Uh, did anybody watch any unique sports in the Olympics this week that they really enjoyed? I watched the women's volleyball that beat Turkey, which was a very good match. I watched a lot of swimming events this week. Uh, not that they're that unique, but I, I think this is the first Olympics for the long distance swim, the 1500 meters. And I watched Katie Ledecky win that. And that was a long, long event. Everything else I turned on this week, I, I found myself randomly in like preliminary heats. So I'm like, ah, oh, all right. So I'm just watching the preliminary heat of the 400 meter hurdles, which I saw a man from Ireland who is 29 and looks twice our age coming nice. second, which <laughs> oh, is that's amazing. Yeah. You guys, you should look this guy up uh, as, as a fellow Irishman. I felt like, all right, this is good. This, he looks like he's, he's 60 years old. He's 29 and he's, he's fast. I mean, he's full gray head of hair. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. That's awesome. I'm going to check that out. Anytime old people win things, it's fantastic. <laughs> he just looks old. He's not really yeah, old. He's not really right. old. He's actually only 20. Yeah, well, he's, he's like old the, for the Olympics. So yeah. 29 has like got to be pretty old for the Olympics. Yeah, but he looks he's like, he's like the Miller of, of sprinters. I mean, he looks like he's the Miller old. of sprinters. Yeah, I don't even like know what his, that means. He's got a full head of silver hair and he's 29. Oh, all right. <laughs> oh okay. Because I've no, never was, seen Miller sprint. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen Miller sprint. I, I didn't really. mean his athletic prowess. I meant his his, <laughs> his wonderful wavy yes. silver mane. I watched a lot of fencing this week. Fencing is kind of cool because like the room they do it in is completely dark. All you can see are like the people sword fighting lit up. And when like one person like scores a point on the other they both have lights in their helmet that go off to indicate like who got the point and who got hit it just happened so fast without the lights i don't think i'd have any idea like what was happening that was fun kayak slalom is a super interesting sport if you ever get a chance to see that i've been watching this afternoon uh the hammer throw which should be on tv all the time the hammer throw is fantastic just gigantic dudes spinning around super fast and then throwing like a metal ball on the end of a chain like out into a field that was really yeah. great I there's so much it. crap on tv that should definitely be on tv all the time it doesn't it have to be good. olympic just just put guys out there throwing hammers all the it time was, it was good i really enjoyed that so those were kind of my my favorite weird sports to watch during the week i am looking forward to equestrian jumping starts this week mm-hmm. and okay. springsteen's daughter's on Bruce's daughter USA. Nice. yeah so we'll definitely have an update on that uh congrats to Haifumi and Uta Abe, brother and sister teammates for Team Japan Judo, who both won gold medals within a few minutes of each other. Wow. And they were competing on mats next to each other. And like the brother won. And then a few minutes later on the on the next mat over, his sister won a gold. That's a really cool thing. They're not Americans. I don't care. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. That's a cool story. Tom, yeah. Tom Burke, the, the yeah. official Olympic spirit of yeah. <laughs> the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm only about the U.S. of A. <laughs> the R.O.C. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, them too. So to, to close out the weekend, the total medal count, Team USA has 59 total medals. China has 51. And the Burke Olympic Committee, I'm sorry, the Russian Olympic Committee, it's a typo in my outline, has 44. <laughs> the BOC. <laughs> yeah, the BOC would be great. We'll move away from the Olympics. And I don't think we've talked college football in a really long time. So I'm excited to have at least a little talk tonight about that. Biggest story of the week, obviously, is Texas and Oklahoma announcing that they're going to leave the Big 12 for the 2025 season and join the SEC. So once they leave, the teams that will be left in the Big 12 will be Baylor, Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, TCU, Texas Tech, and West Virginia. What is happening with the Big 12? Is it a buyer? Is it going to go out and find two teams to replace Texas and Oklahoma? Or is this a situation where we're going to see other teams start to jump ship 
and the Big 12 is just going to disappear within the next couple of years. They may try to add to the Big 12, but I, I'm not sure who they would get that would really make an impact. You know, you just lost your your two top teams right. going to the SEC, which obviously the SEC definitely needed some help. Uh, they don't have enough talented teams down there. I actually don't get why Oklahoma and Texas wanted to go there because I think they're very good teams. If they want to actually be there at the end every year, uh, good luck. Because now it just got harder to get to the you playoffs, just made it right? really hard in the yeah. SEC, which is already hard, anyways. I don't get that move. And yes, I see your smirk when I said it's hard, anyways. <laughs> yes. Um, the Big 12, there's still solid teams there, but how long does Baylor stick around? How long does, you know, even a TCU or, you know, whatever? I, I don't know how long these teams will actually stick around, or do they come up with some kind of other, uh, they can't really come up with another division because, or another conference because it doesn't matter. You're not going to get other teams to come into it. I, I don't know the plan for them. I, th I think eventually the Big 12 just dissolves. I'll, I'll take a, a little bit different approach to that. I think perhaps the well, Big 12, well, <laughs> <laughs> Tommy's back. <laughs> Miss me. Ah, every damn day, buddy. <laughs> no, I will take a different approach. Uh, stupid or not, I from a conference perspective, perhaps they're buyers looking at uh, basketball. You know, you're, you're looking at the the teams you just rattled off in the Big Twelve that are remaining. There's some powerhouse basketball programs in there, right? At Texas least, Tech normally, right? Ba Baylor, Can well, is Kansas Baylor, right? is Kansas. Was that on the list? Yeah, Kansas. There, yeah. So all right, so you've got three top 10 basketball programs right there yeah. potentially. So maybe they look at that and they bring people in and it becomes a more of a basketball centric conference than football. Um, but you pull guys from another conference or that region, I guess it doesn't have to be that region. West Virginia's in it. Uh, another good basketball program, to be honest. So, yeah. you know, I, you know, maybe they yeah. go that route and they, they get some other, they need a couple replacements and they're looking at a stronger basketball conference than football going forward. Was that stupid? <laughs> no was actually that, you know that, that was dumb enough for very you, smart uh, that was uh, that was a smart yeah, move that's how Although, you debate yes right <laughs> i mean i don't know if you want to build a whole thing around basketball but you know yeah because it mean, doesn't work for the acc or the yeah what right? i was gonna say is the big east is pretty much all about mm -hmm. basketball now right? yeah well I mean, they might they might not have a choice that might be what they're looking at like right. they're gonna stay together as a conference yeah. where let's play to our strengths and right. it's basketball now i think that hitting on baylor is the one that stuck out for me too. Like if you're Baylor and, and Texas and Oklahoma just left, are you thinking about leaving the big 12 and trying to sign, you know, a payday with another big conference? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing is this version of the sec even going to exist in 2025 or by the time that rolls around, is this going to have changed so much that these types of conferences don't exist anymore with the, the changes that the NCAA is going to be forced to make isn't now the time when these really big time football programs start looking around and saying, we should just have our own conference. So you take 16 of the biggest schools for football in the country, you put them together in a super conference. So you've got two conferences, two divisions in each conference, and that's how you get your playoff. And that's where Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and Texas make room for Notre Dame in there. You might bring mm -hmm. along like an Auburn and a Michigan just because they're big name programs and you want the rivalry like Ohio State's going to want to play Michigan every year, even mm -hmm. if they're not in the Big Ten. But isn't that where this ultimately goes? It's not a few teams moving around to the existing conferences. It's the really big time programs making one huge super conference to yeah. decide the playoff every year. And there's been talk of that anyways, right? And I think I think a lot of them probably do want to break off from the NCAA period. They're sick of dealing with the politics of the NCAA who keeps taking all the money and, you know, making all these rules that a lot of times that don't make any sense for the longest time. You know, a lot of these players, you know, they were, you know, the, the sitting the year or, you know, that they changed schools and doing all that kind of stuff. But yet a coach can switch in any time and, you know, they're oh, ready sure. to go yeah. that next year. So many of these rules to me are ridiculous. And I think the NCAA has been caught as being just complete hypocrites in a lot of situations. So it's it's just to me, I think a lot of these schools would be happy to, hey, let's go ahead and get together, create our own thing. We're going to, we'll get more revenues just for us. Don't have to share it with, you know, right. the NCAA. It's going to be better anyways, because you're going to have all the best teams and they're going to just go at it. So maybe going in that direction. I think what's interesting though, to Phil's point is none of what we've just described works at all for basketball. 
could it just be the football programs move that way, but the, the rest of the teams stay in the traditional conferences? So it would have to be like an expanded version of what Notre Dame, how Notre Dame exists, right? Their football team is independent yeah. and all yep, their other ACC teams no, are, right? yeah, they've always been in conferences, be a big Easter or, or whatever. Right. That could get pretty interesting because because you, you're, you're mentioning huge schools that have a huge list of, of teams and, and represent every sport out there. So oh, of course. Do, yeah. Do they stay in conferences more regionally because it makes sense because you also don't have the, the money so when the, you know, the crew team is competing, they're, they're not going across the country to, to face these teams. They're in their region or softball or soccer or any of these teams, right? Spike ball. Where's spike, spike ball? ball. Yeah. Spike ball would Where's spike ball going to fit in into this? That That's, true. That's yeah. what I'm worried about. So you'd have to have somehow, some way you'd have to pull all the football programs out of even the entire NCAA or their current conferences build whatever that is and it'll become basically minor league football like it is anyway yeah and then all the other sports still are conferenced up and still under ncaa guidelines and restrictions and those kind of things just saying that i have to imagine there's a well a lot of people way smarter than myself are trying to figure that out from a legal uh, standpoint right i mean that's that's got to be a disaster to untangle all of that and just have football programs exist outside of everything else. I don't know what the legal issues might be because a lot of it just has to do with whatever agreements they have the with the NCAA. Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 But I don't know that their agreements with the NCAA are going to be enforceable anymore because they're not allowed to combine and make decisions together in an industry because that's an antitrust violation. Right. So where they so, lose, it's the other I mean, sports that lose out though. Right. Because you, if you, if you take Ohio state's football program out, and they're playing in their own whatever. Now, Ohio State as its own entity can decide to share revenue with the rest of its sports. And it would, of course, because it wants to keep their athletic department afloat. But well, it, you're, it, now that they probably have to do because that's a Title IX issue, right? So Title IX doesn't care what conference you're in, but you have to have equal opportunities for men and women. And that's the reason right. why football pays for everything else. So that stays the same, I think. Right. So where I'm going with this, though, is you lose the huge amount of money that each individual conference gets as TV deals and these kind of things. I guess at the end of the day, if you're just throwing money into a bank account because the football team signs this other deal, you're right. You can just share yeah. it however you you see fit. But as a fan, we've talked about this a bunch of times. As a fan, that would be great for football. I don't know if it'd be great for college sports. I don't know. It, it, there's a lot to kind of wade through there. The discussion of whether it's good or bad is, is for another day. I, I just tend to think as teams start moving conferences and the dominoes start to fall, I think the move makes sense to create like a super division for college football and the fans will eventually love it because you're going to get to see like great games every week from like the, the, the top programs. And you can still go follow like your local program or the, the college that you went to will still be playing football, but it's just not going to be the same. I, I have a feeling that's where it's headed, whether that's good for the game or good for college athletics as a whole. I don't know. That's a little bit too much for, for my tiny brain to handle. Um, <laughs> right now and and with the time constraints of, that we try to keep on this show <laughs> as we're recording <laughs> why don't we move away a little bit from college football and talk nfl really quick and i don't want to talk about aaron Rodgers again but i guess we have to after all of the nonsense of the last several months rogers came into camp this week he signed a new deal his new deal voids the 2023 season and by voiding that season, it also guarantees that Green Bay cannot franchise him at any point. They work through some complicated cap issues with the number that he's at right now, all with the goal of making him easier to trade before next season's draft. Basically, it's going to keep him in Green Bay for a year for sure, maybe, but probably not next year after the 2022 season. Rodgers would be an unrestricted free agent, could go wherever he wanted to. If you're a player on the Packers, how do you view this deal at the start of this season? I find the whole thing very annoying. <laughs> it's, you know, it's been going on 
it's been going on for so long. I think everybody knew for the most part he was coming back. You know, he's like, oh, I was considering retirement and the whole thing. I don't buy that for a second. To look at it where basically it's, it sounds like it's, uh, let's go for, for broke one year and see what happens. Um, and he's probably gone, I guess, after this year. And I, I'm not sure I buy that either. I still think he's probably a Packer until he does retire, but. I don't know. I guess you would know, understand these contract things better than I do. Um, obviously that's fair. That's uh, fair. yeah, right. Yeah. You're a genius. Um, so <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I just feel like this whole drama was just so ridiculous. It's hard for me to really care uh, about him and his, his drama. It's just annoying. He's got drama with his family constantly and drama, you know, with the, yeah. the ladies in his life constantly. And, well, who doesn't have that though, Tommy? I mean, who among um, us doesn't have? Lady I mean, drama? I, I've ne- I've actually never had drama with ladies in my life. I hear I hear about other people having that, um, and I feel <laughs> bad for him. Phil, what do you think if you're lining up with Rodgers and you know that he might only be there for this season? Change the way you approach the way you're playing with that guy. No, um, I think in today's NFL, I would imagine this team going into to training camp this year. It was almost a sigh of relief. Like, great, QB1's back. We're not worried about a holdout. We're not worried about all this other stuff. He's back and he's taking reps on the first day of practice. So none of these guys technically know where they're going to be next year, given their contracts or whatever's happening. So they've got their eyes on one year and they know Aaron Rodgers is under center. And that's got to be a huge sense of relief right now in training camp for all of those guys. All right, that's interesting. I guess my thought was, I'm not sure... I like this if I'm another player on that team because I don't think the guy's got the buy-in for the team because he's constantly looking to get out. And if he's thinking about getting out next year, is that going to impact the way he plays this season so that he can be healthy to move to a new team next year? Uh, Maybe I'm just a, a little too cynical about it. But anyway, why don't we take our final break and head off the field? Unprofessional and Unprepared is proud to be supported by, and to use, Marble Mouth Mouthwash. I'm sure you probably think the smooth-talking sons of bitches on Unprofessional and Unprepared never misspeak, fumble over their words, or slur multiple sentences into one long, jumbled mess of nouns and verbs. But you would be wrong. Like anyone else, we used to get nervous talk too fast, or drink just enough to make ourselves sound ridiculous. For instance, why don't we go ahead and take our first break, and uh, when we come back, we'll head off the road. Or on the road. Yeah, fuck it. Bobby Bradley's got a nice dick, and he's... Theodore Roosevelt. Ah, All right, we'll start that over again. (laughs) I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we discuss tribe spring... and back a little bit. Uninterested. Yeah, right. Uninterested in the whole thing. Oh, that's a tough one. Uninterested been broadcast in high definition since stick but that was before we found marble mouth mouthwash and our free podcast broadcasting careers took off marble mouth mouthwash is specially blended to provide splendid pronunciation enunciation and locution when used as recommended by dentists and real doctors marble mouth mouthwash will have you tackling the toughest tongue twisters like a seasoned pro ready to sound like you speak good then this product for you would be good. Marble Mouth Mouthwash. Clean it up. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We head off the field, and this week, Ghostbusters Afterlife dropped its trailer. The movie comes out uh, around Thanksgiving. Ghostbusters stat line, it was written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis, directed by Ivan Reitman, released in 1984. Do me a favor if you get a couple minutes this week. Go back and look at a list of the movies and the music that came out in 1984. That was a fantastic year to be alive. Ghostbusters was the number one film in theaters for seven consecutive weeks and was one of only four films in 1984 to gross more than $100 million. It made $282 million. It was second only to Beverly Hills Cop that year. It spun off cartoons, video games, toys, eventually an all-female cast reboot, and now the next edition, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I don't know about you guys, but the original Ghostbusters was a really big deal to me when I was a kid. I remember going to the theater with my dad and my older brother. I remember after the movie on the drive home getting to say we came, we saw, we kicked its ass like twice in the car before my dad told me to stop saying ass. Uh, So that was a big deal, especially because mom wasn't around, you know, so I got away with it twice. What about for you guys? You guys remember the original Ghostbusters as a big movie? Absolutely. One of my favorites. Uh, One of my favorite movies of the 80s for sure 
what a cast. I mean, I remember Bill Murray was fantastic in that. Mm. Uh, Rick Moranis, right? Like he yeah. he was yeah. hilarious yeah. in that as as the gatekeeper for Gozer or whatever, you know, yeah, but I, well done, yeah, Phil. yeah. Oh no, clearly I've seen this movie a hundred times at yeah, least. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that movie. I even like the second one. I know that got kind of uh, lesser reviews, but uh, I, I like both of those movies. I go back and anytime they're on, I'm trying to get my boys to watch the original Ghostbusters. It's scary, but it's so poorly done from a, right. a, a you know, yeah. like from a special effect. Yeah. I'm like, all right, it's not really that scary. Like, all right, come watch this. But yeah, I love that movie. Definitely at that time uh, was such a great movie. Bill Murray just, I mean, can crack you up no matter what he does. Every line he delivers is just hilarious. So I definitely enjoyed it. I remember seeing it in the theater. It was a very good movie. I can't say that I've watched as many times as Phil. I think maybe I watched it a couple of times, but very good yeah. movie. Great movie. Iconic 80s movie for sure. Uh, for 10 free points, who can name the guy who sang the original theme song to the Ghost? Ray Parker Jr. Well done. <laughs> I've seen now, the movie a lot. I don't know. I, if I, I had no chance with that one. <laughs> okay. I, Miley Cyrus. <laughs> maybe she's doing it for Ghostbusters Afterlife, but oh. uh, Ray Parker Jr. definitely sang the theme from the original Ghostbusters. So who's interested in seeing Ghostbusters Afterlife come Thanksgiving? So is this is this the same cast? The guys that are alive anyway? Yeah, who's in this? Is is Ackroyd so and the, Murray and from what I can tell in the trailer, the story is basically Egon's grandkids move to a farm that he had moved to after the second movie, and they kind of rediscover the need for ghost busting. At the very end of the trailer, they make a phone call to a guy who's clearly Dan Aykroyd, picks up the phone and just says, We're closed and then hangs up or something like that. So I have a feeling Ackroyd is definitely, and in fact, I would guess, although I didn't look it up, I bet you Ackroyd probably wrote it. I mean, this was always his thing. I would imagine the other guys are back, but I have no evidence or data to prove that. So like many of my decisions, Phil, I'm just making it up. And in <laughs> seven days, it may prove to be completely wrong. <laughs> so yeah, I'm interested. Absolutely. If that's the question, I'm interested. I'll check it out. It's Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, if, if they're all back and they can, you know, find a way to do it as long as, you know, Slimer's back. That's uh, really he what is. it's all about. He's in the trailer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Slimer is obviously uh, the cash cow in this whole thing. Really. Uh, so <laughs> Everybody going... knows that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm sure Slimer's agent knows that as well. So, yes. you know, he's, I'm sure getting paid. I like the fact that they're just not trying to remake the original with new people. I like the fact that they're going to try to take the story to like a different place with a different cast. Yeah. And if it's well-written, uh, it should probably be great. I'll definitely go check that out. So Ghostbusters, The Afterlife, go go watch the trailer. It's pretty entertaining. Yeah. Uh, and the movie will come out Thanksgiving time frame for holiday movie season. That's it for Ghostbusters. Let's talk about Billboard's top 40 highest grossing artists for 2021. List came out uh, last week and they calculated the numbers for everybody based on a combination of their revenue from streaming, publishing, sales, and touring. So I have pulled some of the ones that I thought were surprises from the list. I'd like to see if you guys can guess where they made their money during 2020 from that, those categories of streaming, publishing, sales, and touring. Number four on the list was the Eagles. Tom, where do you think the Eagles made their money last year? Surprisingly. <laughs> Are you shocked that they're number yeah. four? <laughs> yes. I, you, you just blew my mind, at, first of all, and I, I had nothing to say at that point. Well, it can't be from touring, I don't think. So uh, I guess they're, it's they're from... all high risk. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. I can't believe they're still with us. Um <laughs> So I guess I'm going to go, uh, wait, wait, it's streaming, um, publishing sales and touring. So publishing is like licensing your stuff for like commercial okay. sales is just record sales is, is streaming. When you say streaming, are we, are we including where they get, uh, their songs bought on say Apple, that kind of thing. That's not really streaming though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is. Would be, okay. It's, they did uh, a combination. I'm glad we're getting into the details of the data, Tom, before you make okay. any of your decisions. I, I right. should have given you more details. Yeah, so the, the streaming is a combination of video and audio. So it's oh, okay. from all of the platforms. All right. Well, I'm going to go with that then, I guess. I, I guess I'll go with publishing, thinking that the Eagles are just probably licensing their catalog out to any number of advertisers, right? You're probably right about that, but it's touring. What before See, I was going to go with touring, but it didn't make sense to me <laughs> before COVID shut everything down. They did 10 shows and they made 11 million 
mm. on those shows. Ah. Ten concerts, they made eleven million bucks, and that was the majority of of where their money came from. They had small amounts of streaming and everything else too, but most of it came from that. Number twenty was Pink Floyd, who hasn't made an album since 2014 and hasn't made a good album since the 80s. How do you think Pink Floyd made its money in 2020? I'm going to go with publishing again. I feel like these are the these are the Dude. groups that all right, you're going to you're going to see them on a on a car commercial or something, you know? Tom? Yeah, I'm going to agree. I, I don't think it's going to be from the streaming or from touring. So, yeah, I'm going to go publishing. Sales. In Sales. 2020, they released a deluxe box set of oh. the concert film and album for delicate sound of thunder and that made them upwards of four and a half almost five million pink floyd has three and a half million dollars in streaming as well which i think probably means their music is still being listened to by younger people yeah, because the older weed. people aren't streaming it yeah because of weed weed yeah <laughs> That's a, the only draw to, to Pink Floyd is the weed. As, as weed is being legalized throughout the country, Pink Floyd sales go up. <laughs> no data to back that up either, but I can't, I, I can't disagree I, I, with yeah, you. I can't argue with that. I think yeah. that's probably yeah. a, that's a solid, sound, solid sound logic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I'm a businessman. <laughs> uh, approve a mortgage for Pink Floyd. If he comes. Yes. In. Yes. <laughs> Number 29 was Fleetwood Mac 6.6 million. Philly, where did Fleetwood Mac get its money? Did they release a best of something? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> it's, so it, it's it's got to be sales or or publishing. I'll lean. I've been wrong twice. Let's go back to publishing for the for the for the win. <laughs> Tom, yeah. for this one, I'll just go streaming. I'm going to say streaming. And Tommy, you're right. Uh, yes. Largely due to the viral ocean spray TikTok video set to Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. Um, it put that song in the top 10 of streaming songs in October of 2020. And for what it's worth, they also sold 272,000 actual vinyl records in 2020, which is crazy. They made their money on a, on a TikTok song. Yeah. I barely know what those words mean. Viral ocean spray TikTok yeah. video. I don't know either. My kids probably do, but I, I don't know. They might be big Fleetwood Mac fans. All right. Last one. Number five. Young boy never broke again, which is the actual name of the artist. Uh, slow down and ask Crisscross about that before you go too much further. Um, how do you think Young boy never broke again made his money during 2020? First of all, I have no idea why he'd be number five or she. I don't even know who that is. Um, it's a he. I bet he. it's a boy. <laughs> hey, <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean. No, I, I know, I know. But just I'll I'll go uh, streaming. Phil. Yeah, I, I gotta think streaming. Young boy never broke again yeah. in his bold Probably more state, TikTok his, garbage title. <laughs> yeah. He was number one in video streams in 2020 with 1.4 billion streams. Jesus. Wow. Christ. And the only reason I chose him was because I wanted to make the joke about crisscross because young boy never broke again. <laughs> is not a great name, but I will tell you what going through the list. What really blows my mind is that from number 25 to 40 in this list of the top grossing artists of the entire year from 25 to 40, they all made less than 7 million bucks last year. And to put that into some context, let's compare them to NBA salaries <laughs> last year. DJ Augustin, who's a point guard for the Houston Rockets, who averaged seven points a game, made more than $7 million. So he made more money than 25 to 40 in the music ranking. Harry Styles was number 38 on the Billboard list with 5.51 million, about the same as Michael Bridges, small forward for Phoenix, who is the 159th highest paid player in the NBA last yeah. season. Aerosmith came in at 40 on the Billboard charts, 5.35 million. They made less than Jonathan Kuminga, who was drafted number seven by the Warriors last week and who has never played a minute of professional basketball. <laughs> so what, what has happened to music, an industry that I think for our entire lives, if you were one of the biggest artists in the country, you were making obscene amounts of money. And now these guys are making less than mid-level players in the NBA. I don't know. That's a, that's a tough question. I, I guess I don't know in the past how much of their annual income was reliant on touring. Uh, that had to be a big part of it. And in 2020, that went away after February, outside of the Eagles, who did eight concerts in January. <laughs> like everyone, else, everyone else lost out on that. So I would imagine that's a big deal. The, the whole streaming conversation, we've had that in the past too, where they're getting 
pennies compared to what they used to get on record sales. So they've got to make up for it in other ways, be it volume or what have you. And then a part of it too is, is to uh, quote Charles Rimbaldo. It's so much of this stuff is disposable now that, all right, like someone puts stuff out there, they make their five, $6 million. And maybe we never hear from them again, from a streaming perspective, but that leads me to believe that the touring piece of it was a larger part of their annual income in the past. I would agree with that because you're right. Like, nobody had any touring revenue you know it wasn't at least at least for me it doesn't seem that long ago that we you know when you wanted to listen to these (laughs) certain songs and things that you liked you actually had to buy these cds and you were going out there and spending that money and now you got the streaming services with amazon and spotify and this and that and you can listen to any song anytime you want they're obviously not making anywhere near the money for that and then obviously to hit them with the fact that covid took away their touring i mean it's a big struggle you know harry styles has actually been uh one of the bigger stars lately i think i I get you know he's somebody i actually have heard of and and know about his music and um was in one direction or whatever but he uh yeah one of those things so you know (laughs) one of those things yeah (laughs) so you know to think that he i mean obviously it's a lot of money still but he would say it was like five point something million for him to only be making that kind of money as great as that would be it's just surprising because it's just it just shows that first of all obviously covid's hitting him hard but the music industry is just not what it what it used to be yeah it's just you just yeah. can't make the kind of money that you used to be able to make um i mean aerosmith obviously they made tons of money way back in the you know the day yeah. so and yet they're still putting up you know they're they're not even really trying and they're just getting you know <laughs> stupid yeah. money yeah to them it's like you know they're getting their just their weed money or something um but, and yeah, they're another just... one that had like um, they had some touring money because they were opening at the beginning of last year, like a Vegas residency, I think, at the Hard Rock Casino. They were going to be making obscene amounts of money just playing the same set every night in, right. a, in a Vegas showroom for the year. And, you know, that all went away. So mm-hmm. certainly it hits them. It's an interesting thing. I think the Internet makes the Internet makes this weird because it has made it so much easier for people to put music out to the masses, but it's almost like a simple supply and demand thing. There's so much more music out there that it's all less valuable from, from a dollar standpoint, because it's available and there's a ton of it and it's easy to get to. You don't have to go to the record store anymore to buy this stuff. And I think really costing the artists. I know that you guys have been actively pushing your boys into the rap game. Are you going to yes. reconsider that now and push them more towards traditional sports? No, all three of my boys are uh, going to be pretty much in the style of uh, Machine Gun Kelly, but <laughs> all three of them together. Um, it's going to be pretty hardcore, but I'm all for it because um, I need someone to take care of me in a few years. Well, but if you made them basketball players, they don't even have to be in the top 150 highest paid basketball players they're not gonna be that good okay <laughs> at rapping or at basketball basketball okay phil how about you any any conscious change in how you're parenting your kids and, and whether you're pushing them towards gangster rap careers or sports or mm-hmm. i don't know reading something like that <laughs> yeah, right. I, I was about to say i have, I have a more I have traditional lot, education i have a lot to think about here uh but if i <laughs> if i had to push them toward uh, a rap career or professional basketball I, i'm gonna agree with berkey and then go the the rap route i feel like that's probably the you know, you can get it out there, right? And anyone can get it out there. And it just, you know, you get it out there, you have whatever it is. And um, even if you make $5 million, uh, that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty good. That is, that is several million dollars more (laughs) than any of us make. I am sure. That's that's right. At least. All right, fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we almost finished the entire episode without wishing a very happy birthday today on August 1st to Adam Duritz, lead singer of the Counting Crows. So Mr. Duritz, thank you for all the good music. Happy birthday. And with those well wishes hitting the atmosphere, I hope you guys have a great week and let's do this again real soon. Thanks, boys. All right. infomercial pit the browns brought in a guy named chase mclaughlin 
I'm gonna start this all over again. I'm like stuttering my and I <clears throat> going into the draft. Was it safe to call the Cavs a talented young team with good upside? <clears throat> Damn it. Why don't we wrap this up and take our final break and then we'll uh, head out off head. where are we heading? Off the field, man. God, I got going. Where's the mouth, marble mouth mouthwash for me tonight, man? I'm all over the place. Burke, are we coming up to like bedtime for you? Or are we? Yeah, pretty close. No, I'm not for you, but like you got to put the kids away. Put the ki- put the kids away. Yeah, put the, the kids, kids away. I'm gonna put yeah, put them in the drawer. Put them down. <laughs> wow. Man, man, I'm. It just got bad for the Burke boys really quick. <laughs> I'm the I'm the best dad on this pod by far. <laughs> Not a high bar, friend. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Way to go, dude. Good point. Good point. I won't I won't make a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Number one dad out of three. <laughs> yeah. World's greatest. There was a brief period of time this week as I was preparing the outline for the show where one of our topics was going to be Dolly's new scent. It's called scent from above. It's like a perfume. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> Dolly, awesome. I don't know. Scent from above is starting. I to might even it a little wear bit. it. You're, you're starting to be, you're starting to believe your own hype. A little <laughs> yeah. Bit. Now, yeah, now, <laughs> yeah. All right, somebody needs to knock her down a few pegs. Let's take it easy. All right. Uh, she'll be canceled for. She's obviously for been listening while. to the pod. <laughs> yeah. 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 Get, get Boosted her head. ego a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, that Gerbs, that's a lot of music I got to put on the list. I know. <laughs> ah, nice. I could have gone. I had 40 to choose from. I could have yeah. gone all day with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Parker Jr. Thinking about the fact Ray Parker Jr. is now on the list. And that wasn't right. even part of the music talk. Right. Yep. All right. And awesome. he randomly said crisscross. So oh, yeah. jump, yeah. jump better be on there. And uh, well, I mean, I should or, see this list or this shame list. by crisscross. Yeah. One of their lesser known tracks. Yeah. Sure. So. I'll see once I have the whole list compiled, but I'm, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm just putting it in my notes app on my phone as I'm listening. Right. So I, I write things down and I have like little commentary emojis after certain things. It's pretty funny like <laughs> as a, because uh, sometimes we bring up an artist and again, I'm only listening to the third segment and, and outtake. So if anything yeah. got brought up in the sports talk, I'll, I'll miss it. But um, <laughs> the uh, we bring up an artist or like an entire like just an artist or an entire album. So I'm like, all right, I, I kind of make a note of that. And I'm not going to put the whole album on this right, playlist. Right. Like, there's no way. So I'm going to go back and pick, like you just said, Gerbs, like I'll probably pick like, all right, I'm going to pick one of their, one of their most known tracks and then some obscure track. Yeah. And those are the two songs that will go on there from crisscross. But now I got to put the Eagles on it. Yeah. The entire, <laughs> the entire Eagles, uh, yeah. whatever their uh, set was from yeah. when they were touring. Yeah. It's an interesting uh, and Aerosmith set too. <laughs> yeah, Aerosmith. Let's throw those in there. It's an interesting list, and I'm only halfway through our episodes. The, the teeter tottering between really, really good music and some of the worst yeah. music ever. Yeah. Like it's really <laughs> balanced right now. Like I've got a yeah. lot of both. Um, You're getting so many good innings for young pitchers right now. Yeah, uh, that might as well be what this season is now you know you, if they had stayed healthy i really think if bieber and savali had stayed healthy um or even just one of them had stayed healthy right. i think, I think we're still in this for, yeah <laughs> what's yeah. that I, my kids are yelling to me i gotta there's a lot of yelling going on i gotta go deal with right. this why don't you go put them to bed yeah I guess all right so. tommy all thanks right, for boys. being here buddy hey thanks absolutely yeah, go, go thanks, put boys. those boys down yes right. <laughs> put him down you know they had a good run <laughs> they did. They're not going anywhere in the rap game. Yeah, yeah right. Later, boys. All right. Later. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?